Hello everyone, welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. My name is Rowan Wood, and joining me as always, he couldn't go back to 1800s Russia, but he could wander through a museum for hours. It's my co-host, Shane Kanto. I definitely would be very interested wandering through this museum <laughs> and literally going through time. So, yeah. But excited to talk about this. I, so this movie, Russian Ark, that we are talking about today, I had heard about it in that it is this, you know, um, movie that is famous for one thing and one thing only and that is that it is shot entirely in one take um they actually got it on the third take uh that they tried um but it is almost 100 minutes done entirely in one take which is crazy like at like if you think about what happens in this movie and the amount of things that have to go right it's really really insane that they did actually do it um but the reason why I didn't have a quote to introduce you with is because the the actual story of this movie, I legitimately have no idea what really happened. Like, like I didn't like I know there was one character that we so, like sort of were going around with. It's this French marquis. But the actual story of it all, I did not follow it. The framing device, which is this this narrator who, whose perspective we are seeing, is walking around this museum and history is coming to life around him. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, Shane, did you see, like, like could you connect the dots as to what was actually happening? Or, like, it may have just been a series of vignettes connected through this museum that this character was seeing. Like, what was your what was your read on this? I would like to imagine that at some point somebody in Russia was like, we want to make a movie about Russian history. And then they hire the most like film school ish director possible. And they're like, wait a minute, I have an idea. (laughs) And this is what they got. It's basically the idea is like this man wakes up like comes out of this carriage has no idea who he is where he is and then winds up going into this giant place and follows this man in black around and every time we like turn a corner into a room we're in a new place in russian history like this feels like the most art house history lesson you could possibly (laughs) create and like i feel like i gained such an interesting perspective on russian history but I don't really think there's a story. Right. <laughs> it, it feels like it is specifically mysterious on purpose mm-hmm. because there was a sense of, like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know if it was because it felt like I was watching The Shining because it's the mm-hmm. only other time, like, I felt like going through, a like, wide hallways like this all in one take kind of yeah. like this. There's just a foreboding nature and a mystery about what the hell was going on that kind of unnerved me. And then mm-hmm. I'm sitting like, is there going to be a payoff to this? Or is it just like, it felt like it was just an a, a result of how it right. was shot to make it feel so creepy and unnerving. But really it's just supposed to be like, wow, this person got like the coolest history lesson in the <laughs> history of ever about yeah. Russian history, which 
there is no way you can go in here and criticize any of the technical aspects of this film because it's literally impossible. How did they... I feel like it's impossible to make this movie work in one shot, but they did it. And the fact that they it only it. took three tries is insane because the amount of having to maneuver people around, mm -hmm. the insane amount of costume designs, period accurate uh, constructions and designs and everything, I'm just like, how? How how did this even happen? Like, And that just blows my mind. That's even worth just the hour and 39-minute watch. Which I found this on YouTube. Like, sit and watch it. Like, if you are an aspiring filmmaker and you want to see something miraculous, watch this. Yeah, it's it's purely, I think, a visual marvel. Mm -hmm. Um, in that we are seeing Russian history through the eyes of this guy that's walking through this museum, but the gimmick is like the gimmick is what you're there for. Like you are there for you know, you're you're there to see how they pull this off in one shot. But it looks so fantastic. Like it looks effortless. Like like the way that they the way that it's presented, it looks it just incredibly easy. And like like the set decoration and costuming are incredible. Um, the music's great. Like there are three different orchestras at various mm -hmm. points in this movie. And it's also like strangely funny like like the some of the char recurring characters are like kind of sarcastic and it's sort of fun to see yeah. them comment on what's going on um but overall like i like i enjoyed watching this purely for that visual aspect um like mm -hmm. not as much for the history like if i want to know about the history like i'll i'll read up on it because from my american perspective like i don't even know what i'm supposed to be looking at so I don't have any of the context as to what's actually happening. Yeah, there's moments where I'm like, oh, it's our Nicholas. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is going to end badly. Because uh, the thing is, like, I do, I would expect if you are Russian and you have a perspective of Russian history, I feel like it would be the same thing if, like, they dragged one of us through, like, American history. Right. And we're seeing, like, all these presents, like, oh, I know what this is. I know what this is exactly. getting at, but like not being Russian and not being well versed in Russian history, there were certain things that I picked up on and thought was interesting. And the fact that so they might have tried filming this three times. I want to know how many times they rehearsed this <laughs> because yeah. everything looks so choreographed to a T because it has to be has to be you have to be able to maneuver the camera in a way so perfectly that you don't see any of the scenes you don't see any of the people like moving in and out between rooms all these things it's just miraculous that's like miraculous is if i was going to describe any film as miraculous it's this because i don't even i don't know how i'd be able to make this work like, yeah. I love long takes, and I would love to see more of them in film, especially, you know, action instead of having, like, 50 million cuts and stuff like that. <laughs> but, like, trying to conceive how they were able to make this work and also make it a compelling enough visual experience, there's so many things going on. And I think really at the beginning, it's the mystery of it all that has you, like, what's going on here exactly who's this who's this man in man in black and all these things going on but if you love film and you're a cinephile 
watch this at least once in your life because it's certainly worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. And I think that that is a good place to move on. Um, so uh, this movie, um, we have three categories, as always, to talk about today. But before we do that, uh, Shane, where does Russian Ark rank in the now uh, overall 87 films that we have watched for the show? Find I have this on here. Um, let's see. This was at number forty-six, between below Columbus and above Funeral Parade of Roses. It's just there's too many films that we've watched that I've really felt a connection to. I had no mm -hmm. connection. Totally. But just the miraculous amount of technical prowess that went into this is just so impressive. Yeah, I really blew me away. Agreed. Um, for me, it is number forty-four. That is above Oink and below Rebecca. Um, so it's 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 pretty middling for me because, like you, I like like there were so many movies that we've talked about that I have felt just a like a very strong connection with, uh, and so it very much uh, makes sense um, that it uh, that it is sort of middling for us. But we have also talked about a lot. <laughs> A lot worse movies on this show, um, so uh, definitely didn't 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 uh, um, bow to those depths. Uh, but our three categories today are movies with a notable one take sequence because there aren't many movies that are filmed entirely in one take, but there are a lot of movies with uh, some pretty impressive sequences that are shot in one take. Uh, Russian films and the year two thousand two, um, one of the the last two years in the twenty first century that we have not talked about yet. Um, but, uh, Shane, let's start off with movies with one take sequences. Uh, what are your top five? My number five is old boy. That whole hallway fight is one of the mm. coolest things ever put on film. <laughs> uh, number four is 1917, which tricked you into basically thinking this was a whole entire one take film, which I remember sitting in the theater, just being in all of this. Number three, Goodfellas, the Coa Cabana scene is probably one of the most homaged scenes in like the history of film at this point even watching like the iron claw this year going into the texas sport like the dow sportatorium <laughs> they do a whole entire shot just like that because it was that influential number two is the shining because these are probably the most unnerving long takes of just watching this little kid Trekking around this really creepy ass hotel, and it's so unnerving, and that's probably what made this movie feel so unnerving to me. And number one is Children of Men. I feel like I'm I'm definitely in that camp that wants to make sure that everybody knows this is one of the most underappreciated films of the 21st century because mm -hmm. this is incredible science fiction, and there are some long takes in this that are so impressive. Like, it was so dedicated to it that there's even, like, blood that splatters on the lens of the camera at one point. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're not stopping! <laughs> and still going in. And the story and the acting in it is really compelling as well. So you should watch it if you haven't. Yeah, um... Yeah, uh, I went through many iterations of this list, actually. Um, my number five is Goodfellas. Uh, my number four is Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, because uh, that is another one that is sort of made to look uh, like it is one take, although this one is from the 40s. Uh, yep. And so that is, uh, I think, automatically makes it a lot more impressive. Uh, number three is Old Boy. Number two is Children of Men. Uh, just that, like, there are two scenes yep. in Children of Men that just absolutely 
like blow me away because so, sort of like this movie, so many things have to go right, especially in this one because there's so many moving parts. That car scene, how? Mm -hmm. How how did they make yeah. that work? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, number one is 1917, uh, which, yes, true, is not fully one shot. And even amongst the hidden cuts, there's straight up a scene where the main character gets knocked out and it just cuts to black. <laughs> so I feel like that alone uh, should should tip you off that it's not fully one shot. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's still pretty impressive. Uh, mm -hmm. um, next up is uh, our uh, Russian films. Uh, Shane, you're up. Oops, all Tarkovsky. Almost. <laughs> Um, my number five is The Mirror, which is probably one of Tarkovsky's most abstract films. It's very, very interesting and some really compelling things. Number four is Come and See. Mm -hmm. uh, Letterbox loves Come and See. Yeah. Uh, I just rewatched this recently, too. And boy, do you want to get depressed? Uh, number three is Andre Rublev, which is actually the film that I watched for the first time most recently for this. This is a really compelling, epic film that does a lot um number two is solaris um the russian 2001 the space odyssey i remember watching this in college and my mind just like and number one is stalker which this is one of my favorite science fiction films of all time mm -hmm. and this is such an interesting and deeply contemplative film and the world building and it is so fascinating and i am convinced whoever wrote annihilation watched this movie because you can't convince me that that wasn't an influence on it. Yeah, totally. Uh, my number five is a movie called The Cranes Are Flying. Uh, that's sort of a contemplative um, look at how World War II affected the psyche of, of Russian citizens. Uh, number four is Dursu Uzala, which we have discussed uh, on this very show. That is mm -hmm. um, the movie that uh, Kurosawa won an Oscar for, and it wasn't even a Japanese film. Uh, number three is Andrei Rublev, uh, which is just such an interesting examination of religion that never feels like it's preaching at you. It feels much more um, like, like quite non-denominational, especially considering the subject matter. Uh, number two is Battleship Potemkin, uh, which is just like an iconic film. Uh, and number one is Come and See, which is disturbing, depressing, uh, and just fantastic in essentially every way. Uh, Letterboxd really, really loves this movie. Yes. Um, our final category today is the year 2002 that I was born. Uh, Shane, have we covered uh, the year of your birth on this show so far? 1991. 1991. We have. Uh, we did yeah. cover 1991. Uh, and the movie that we talked about in 1991 is, <laughs> it was Body Parts for, oh for our, our 56th episode. Fun one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, I was born at the very end of, uh, of, of 2002. But Shane, what are, your, what are your top five? My number five is Road to Perdition. I remember seeing this in my cinema class in high school and falling in love with it. Tom Hanks is a hitman and Paul Newman's last live action role. It's just this awesome period noir. Number four, Chicago, because I do love a good musical and love some Fosse. And Catherine Zeta-Jones just like tears the house down in this. Number three is Come, uh, Catch Me If You Can. This is one of the most endlessly entertaining Spielberg films that certainly still has a very compelling and interesting uh, conflict in it and some really great performances. Number two, I might be one of the biggest fans of this movie, but it's Signs. <laughs> and this was... 
this was the end that peak Shyamalan, those first three movies. And um, yeah, uh, Mel Gibson screaming, I'm enraged with anger as he runs around his house is one of the funniest <laughs> things ever. And this scared the living crap out of me as an 11 year old when I watched this for the first time. And uh, this is easy. Number one, <laughs> breaks the two towers. Boom, there it is. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's safe to say that the two towers is at the top of my list uh, as well, because how can it not be? Um, my number five is uh, is uh, The Pianist. That is the uh, Roman Polanski film about the uh, about the pianist uh, played by, um, I think it's Adrian Brody. Um, yes. And he is he is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, you know. Roman Polanski things aside, uh, I don't want to. I, I don't want to give him all the credit for this movie because Adrian Brody is just incredible in this role. Like, like maybe one of the most gut wrenching performances um, I've ever seen. Uh, number four is um, is City of God, which is God. What a what a fascinating, um, like like incredibly dynamic movie mm-hmm. um fast moving and 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 covers such an interesting uh uh true story um which it was it was shocking uh for me to to read that, that this was based on true events um three is harry potter and the chamber of secrets two is catch me if you can um one of my favorite spielbergs and one is the two towers uh because it's honestly the two towers is my least favorite lord of the rings and yet still it is just absolutely phenomenal five-star movie one of my favorite movies ever which just goes to show that when something is the weakest of the trilogy and still is one of my favorites ever uh it's a pretty strong trilogy (laughs) Um, and oddly enough the highest rated one of the trilogy yeah yeah um so uh yeah that is our discussion uh of russian arc uh shane what movie are we talking about for next week's episode we're going to be looking at the documentary searching for sugar man You want to hear some interesting mystery about where somebody disappeared to? South Africa, apartheid, music, it has it all. (laughs) Um, So we will be discussing that next week. Shane, uh, where would you like to send people if they want to hear more from you? Head out over to the Wasteland Review or Instagram page where I shamelessly plug all the things that I do for my podcast, Cinematic Wasteland, Wasteland Vintage Roadshow, from my writings for Sith Pop, for Knock on Wood, and also GuideTheMovies.com, the, all the podcasts that I do for Scribe Magazine, and most importantly, the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel, where I review basically anything and have my three weekly shows, and which includes Rowan quite a bit as a <laughs> guest because he's oh, yeah. a wonderful friend. Oh, thank you, Shane. Um I, uh, you can find my stuff at knockonwoodfilm.com. I'm on Letterboxd and Instagram at Rowan a Boat. Uh, yeah, so thank you all very much for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Rowan and the Wasteland.